Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Welcome back. It's January 11th. Well into the new year. I haven't posted in maybe a month. It's called Pod Fade. It's called Pod Fade when you stop wanting to podcast. In coaching, we refer to it as resistance. It's just resistance comes in and resistance according to gary john bishop is a self-generated conversation to talk you out of what's possible so what are you resisting what's the conversation that you are creating with yourself with others with the universe with god that's talking you out of what's possible for you could show up in relationship i'd like to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend but it's too hard, or there aren't any good people around here, or it's not worth it, or I always get hurt, or I blah, blah, blah. For me, it's probably all of those. <laughs> I generate like seven different conversations. Been dating a lot, though. That's kind of, that's fun. Going out on dates and a couple rendezvous here and there. You know, why the hell not? It's COVID. Anyway, they need to make like a, um, like a, book or something about covid hookups covert covid covert covid sexy time am i disclosing too much perhaps anyway it's the magic pisces podcast and god bless all of you god bless you for listening all kinds of crazy stuff going on um they stormed the capitol there was an insurrection a, a, apparently there's a difference between an insurrection and a coup. A coup, I believe the the military, the actual like US military would have to be involved it was if it was a coup. I could be wrong. But it was just an insurrection. But I was talking to a friend of mine, Greg, Greg D earlier today and we were both just kind of like does this whole thing just seem as if the powers that be are just trying to get away with as much bullshit as they can possibly ram down everyone's throat. Like, the whole thing just doesn't even seem believable to me. It just seems like this media-created or media-orchestrated whatever. And perhaps it's just a great big distraction from what? What is all of this about? I have no idea. I hope 2021 is better than 2020, although a dear friend of mine, Kira Holder, passed very suddenly, like three days ago, just out of nowhere. I actually talked to her. She had just checked herself into the hospital, and she was in agonizing pain, and it was horrible listening to her. And they diagnosed her with colon cancer that metastasized to her liver, and then she died. It was just like that. And it was really weird because... I had this strange feeling that like it was over, that her time was up. It was just, sometimes you just know, and it wasn't like, it's not that I didn't give up hope or anything like that, but I just sort of, uh, I just kind of knew. It was sort of this knowing. I was like, yeah, I think her time is up. And according to David Hawkins, the soul chooses the exact amount of time that it will spend in this human incarnation or carnation incarnation. And, um, then leaves. It's totally predetermined. It's predetermined by you. You have predetermined when you will exit planet Earth. You already you already made up your mind before you were even born to the being known as you. You decided when you will leave. So you can see that in whichever way you'd like, but that's just it. And it's just crazy because so many 
there's just been a lot of like I'm 45 years old. I'll be 46 in two months, two months and nine days, which means I'm officially pushing 50. But it's just really amazing looking back and seeing all the people who are gone now, all of the people who have croaked, all the people who have transitioned, if you want to use new agey language, all the people who have gone to heaven, if you want to use Christian language or hell, if you want to use Christian language. But um, yeah, there's like a lot of people I know who are dead now. And that's kind of weird. And it was weird. I went over the falls on a great big old wave this morning. And I was held down for a very long amount of time, maybe longer than I've ever been held down in California or anywhere, to the point where it, I was like, if I don't start breathing soon, I'm going to die. <laughs> that kind of a hold down. And, you know, maybe it could have been my day. Who knows? It could be your day today. Never laugh as the hearse goes by as you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in a big right sheet from your head down to your feet. So it's just completely crazy. I don't trust any of it. I'm I'm done with being mad and pointing my finger at people. I'm done with pointing my finger at leftists, mostly. Um, whatever, just... And, and I've really been working on myself. So I got this amazing book called Zero Limits by Joe Vitale. And it's all about... I talked about this two or three episodes ago about Ho'oponopono, which is an ancient... Chinese, or not Chinese, ancient, ancient Hawaiian, ancient Chinese secret, ancient Hawaiian healing, like modality or method. And all you do is say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And one of the premises of the whole Ho'oponopono theory, or whatever you want to call it, is that if it, like the entire world, the entire world as you see it is a, is a, a projection of your subconscious memories replaying. And you can either be coming from your memories in any given moment of life, or you can be coming from inspiration. And if you look at the word inspiration, it means in spirit. And so our memories block us from being inspired. So no matter what's going on in your life externally, your job is to work on it internally. And that's what I see what's been going on is I'm just, it's so funny just watching these people like, their pointer fingers must be getting tired from pointing so much at everything. And I've done plenty of pointing. I am certainly a pointer. I am not exempt from pointing at all. I probably pointed my finger already like a half a dozen times or more today. It's not about that. It's just seeing seeing everyone just point their finger at everyone else for everything, everywhere. It's just, it's just, doesn't it get exhausting pointing your finger and just, just, Get in touch for a moment with the energy of blame. Just feel into blame. Blaming others. It's all their fault. What if it was all not your fault? What if it wasn't all your fault, but it actually was all your responsibility? So it's not your fault that the world isn't going the way that it is, but it is your responsibility to redirect your inner environment to a satisfactory state of being or a satisfactory state of spirit, right? And that's, you know, one of the the most amazing things I worked, I learned in 
working a recovery program is that when I'm pissed off at somebody, some person, some place, some institution, some mom, some dad, some cop, some other surfer, some whatever, whenever I'm pointing my finger and I'm angry at somebody else, there's typically the, the, the common denominator in every one of my resentments is myself. And so this Ho'oponopono method this book, Zero Limits, it's amazing because you just, you see something going down that you don't like and you just, you go, I love you. You're talking to God. Say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You just do that. That's it. And you, and I actually found this Ho'oponopono, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, musical thing on a, a Ho'oponopono song. On, on Apple Music, and I just play it on repeat all all day and all night. It's always going. It's, I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Or, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I just play it all the time on low volume. I play it when I sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night to piss or whatever. And it's like, I love you. I'm sorry. Or I wake up and I'm like about to be in a foul mood because of whatever reason. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. And it just starts to reprogram your subconscious. And then you just start to do it without even realizing you're doing it. Something will, you'll be in the middle of whatever, traffic or the grocery store or whatever. I had a god-awful date. Oh, my God. I had, the, I had the worst date in the history of dates last Sunday night. I don't think I've ever had less to talk about with a human being. Now, I'm a pretty interesting person. Whether or not there's any romantic chemistry there, I can pretty much hold a conversation with just about anyone if I have to. And this woman, she just didn't give a fuck. She didn't give a fuck about anything about me. She didn't ask me one single question about myself. Um, there's, I got a lot going on. I also like to talk about myself. It's true. I'm an Enneagram 4. I'm incredibly self-absorbed and incredibly self-centered, if you haven't noticed. But yeah, this she just she didn't want to know anything. She was really beautiful, too. But... I actually went on uh, two dates with two nannies. I met them both off Tinder. I went on two dates with two nannies two weeks in a row. One, one I think was like on a Monday, and then one was the following Sunday. And I swear the first one, they were both really good looking. The first one, though, um, I, I think she just wanted to get free dinner. Her suggestion for a date was, why don't we meet at a restaurant and get some food and then eat the food in your car together? I'm like, sure. Like, I asked her if she wanted to, like, go down, like, take a walk on the beach or something. And she's like, no, we should meet at a restaurant after. And she gave a time that was, like, after dark. And uh, there's the telephone ringing. Somebody's calling me from Idaho. I'm going to call them back. Um, if that's not a telemarketer or whatever. But uh, she's, she, she, um, she redirects the date from my walk on the beach to let's meet in the parking lot of a nice, kind of a nice sort of organic vegan type of restaurant, not or not vegan, but nice organic, you know, SoCal kind of a restaurant and eat in the car. So I'm like, sure, whatever. So I meet her. Nothing, nothing, nothing to talk about at all. Like one of the most, um, I should have known from her one word responses on Tinder that I should have known how it would go based on the the Tinder responses, but she's pretty cute. She actually was. She was actually very hot. Um, but, you know, we show up at the restaurant, and it's just kind of the Tinder version. How she was being on Tinder was how she was being in person. And we 
I ordered the food and it was like it was like 35 bucks or something. It wasn't exactly cheap. And we ate the food in the car and she was a nanny and she like had this she had this special toy collection, <laughs> like all these toys that she would bring the kids that she nannied for. It was she was just a very odd odd individual. And um and that was it. I never saw her again. I texted her the next day like, "Hey, thanks for meeting last night and maybe we could hang out again." Not that I really wanted to hang out again, but but nothing. I got totally ghosted. So I think she was just in it for the free SoCal organic chicken or whatever it was that I bought her. And then I meet another nanny on Tinder. Same thing. She's giving me these one word responses, but she's like really cute, you know? So I'm like, well, maybe I'll meet her. So we kind of, it got a little bit kind of flirty, sort of. But then we met at this really cool little restaurant down in La Jolla, this really cool, quaint little Italian restaurant that I will go to again and again, actually. And she just sits there like sipping wine and like, I, it was like pulling teeth trying to sit there. So trying to sit there with her. So I I started doing Ho'oponopono. I'm just sitting there with her. I'm like, well, I created this. This is all a projection of my own subconscious bullshit. I love you. I'm sorry please forgive me. Thank you. That's what I did in the awkward silences. And every time I did it in the awkward silences, she would say something. She would ask me a question. She was Brazilian, but she had that, she had an Eastern European feel in that sort of cold Eastern European way of being that sort of coldness. She didn't seem like she was from Brazil. Usually like Brazilian girls are very like zesty, spicy. She didn't have any zest or any spice. She had this like cold, this coldness to her. So I just did Ho'oponopono, and, you know, I was out another 35 bucks or whatever it cost, and whatever, that's okay. You got to pay to play, right? So there's been the dating, the David dating in, in COVID. Woohoo, yippee ki kaye And um, I got straight up booty called the other night, and I went. I was like, okay, fine. This is cool. I can do this. I can do this. Now, I'm not condoning this. I wore a mask. I promise I wore a <laughs> I promise I wore a mask. Um, there wasn't, uh, it, there wasn't, too, <laughs> I'm going to shut the fuck up right now. Anyway, it's, uh, I somehow went from Ho'oponopono, the ancient and sacred Chinese, <laughs> the ancient and sacred Hawaiian healing method to Tinder dates and booty calls. Um, in, they're kind of in mesh. They're kind of one and the same. I sort of intermingled them. So take what you will from that. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. So anyway, and whatever is going on in the country, whatever is going on out there externally, my solution is to turn it inward and to look at my part and to look at the three fingers that are pointed back at me instead of the finger I'm pointing over there at you or him or her or whatever. So life sure is interesting. The surf has been going off in SoCal for like six weeks now. I mean, it's just every day. I can't even go anymore. I'm so tired and exhausted from surfing. My body is completely and totally broken down. And I went today and as I said earlier, just took the gnarliest, just the gnarliest wipeout. I mean, it was one of those wipeouts where as it was happening, I was like, I might not be okay from this. You know, you're in the middle of it. You haven't impacted yet. You haven't been smashed down yet. 
and most most surf wipeouts they are very inconsequential. You don't care, you know, it's splashy. It's kind of splashy and fun and invigorating often, but when it gets to be big, there's this like <clears throat> oh shit. This could be really bad. I could actually be really hurt on this or drown. And uh, all these things are kind of going through your head as you're surrendering to the experience of getting um, just bitch slapped by the universe. Basically, it's like being it's like being bitch slapped by Earth. When you a skateboard wipeout is different. A skateboard wipeout it just well first of all a skateboard wipeout just fucking hurts it just is incredibly painful it just i don't know how those guys tony hawk and all those guys still skate as hard as they do because you skate that hard occasionally you're gonna eat serious shit it's inevitable um but surfing wipeouts and and so but but with skateboarding it's kind of like you're bitch slapping yourself sort of because you're putting yourself into these kind of compromising positions and with a surf wipeout, it's kind of like the Earth, the entire universe is bitch slapping you. You've got this gigantic planet, and it's created this wave thousands of miles away from you. So in Alaska, this wave has been created, and it's hitting the California coast, and you're just in the exact perfect little po- position to catch the wave and maybe ride it for seven to ten seconds if you're lucky and you miscalculate or you misjudge or you don't do it perfect and it just goes smack and all of a sudden you're underwater and a couple weeks ago I got actually smashed into the bottom and that had only happened to me a couple of times where I actually hit the bottom in deep water like so we're talking you know 20 feet 15 20 feet down or whatever and you feel the pressure in your ears and it's just crazy but it is invigorating but then I finally popped up and it was just like oh my god I'm alive and you know, there. I, I have no idea how big wave surfers do what they do. I have absolutely no idea how a person like Kai Lenny surfs a hundred foot wave and wipes out. Goes just go like I mean, the waves I was surfing today were like maybe six feet, seven feet, maybe, maybe, maybe eight feet, a couple of feet overhead, and they will strike the fear of God into your soul. And these big wave surfers, they're they are just completely completely nuts surfing is an incredibly interesting sport there are so many more variables to it than than actually riding the wave but i love it i love it i love it what would you sell your soul for anything if you don't have anything that you wouldn't even consider selling your soul for children don't count if you don't have anything that you wouldn't consider selling your soul for consider that you're you gotta live a different kind of a life I had a Facebook post about this a few weeks ago. It's good to have something worth selling your soul for. I know some I know some rock and rollers sold their entire soul for music, sold their entire fucking soul for rock and roll. The people that sold their sold their souls for rock and roll are a little fucked right now because of COVID. It's terrible. And it's it's that's but but the but the beautiful thing of that, the be- the beauty in that is that they have something that they love as much as they do. And that's actually worth that. So what do you have that you love that much? What's your version? What would you sell your soul for? Anyway, there have maybe been a couple of women that I may have been willing to sell my soul for. I have lost my soul for a person, maybe two, maybe about 1.75 people I've lost my I've lost my soul to 
that's a bitch when you are so obsessed with somebody that you completely and totally forget who you are and what you're doing here. That's just the worst. That's the, the, I believe that's codependency. Yeah. Codependency is when you, when you lose yourself because you're obsessed with someone else. You're like obsessed with what's going on over there. Oh my God. If only they would love me, then I would be happy. But that's not true. Because you're such an unhappy person or such an imbalanced person or such an off person that you feel that that person over there will complete you. Like Tom Cruise, you complete me. That's not how it works. You complete me is codependency 101. So anyway, find something worth selling your soul for. Pick up a guitar, start playing it. Get on a surfboard, start riding it. Get a skateboard, whatever. Go be a, Go become a ski bum. Sell all your shit and go live somewhere. But when you sell your soul for something, or, you know, drugs, you could sell your soul for drugs. You could start doing drugs that you could think of a drug you've never done and go start doing it today. And you will find out what it means to sell your soul for something. So there are good things to sell your soul for and bad things to sell your soul for. But it's cool to have that degree of passion. Even when I sold my soul for heroin, <laughs> drugs, Years ago, like it was kind of cool to have something that mattered that much. You know, it's like the first time you do it, there's I don't want to I don't want to exaggerate to such a degree. It's a slight exaggeration to say that there's no turning back the first time you do it because there are plenty of people that dabble. You actually can dabble with hard drugs. Um, wouldn't recommend it by any stretch, but um, but it's being that consumed by something there's almost this like twisted peculiar backwards satisfaction in in having something that means that much like every single action in your entire life every thought in your entire life is is what's the word I'm looking for revolves around the next one and then you get it, and then, like, you're cool for a little bit. Then you'll, like, think about other stuff in life. But then it goes away. It wears off. And then you have to start thinking about it again. And you wake up, and you're thinking about it. And as soon as it starts to be less effective, as soon as it just, it, the second it starts to wear off, you start thinking about how you're going to get more. It's crazy. I wouldn't trade that experience, the entire experience of going through that degree of addiction for the world. I wouldn't. I would never in a million years want to do it over again. But I wouldn't trade the overall experience for anything because the, the thing I discovered about the nature of life, about the nature of reality, about the nature of God, about the nature of spirit in going through such an annihilating, humiliating, devastating experience, it's just like it can't be taken away. You survive that, and it's like you survived one of the gnarliest things a human could ever go through. I kind of got in a little bit of trouble. I, I made sort of a, a, a over reaching claim in my first podcast I was talking I was comparing like some people understood what I meant some people didn't but I was making this claim that like going through that like an, an addiction of that caliber is, is almost like being in like the holocaust and yeah someone was like whoa you might have gone a little too far there but what I was actually a lot of people that were like I get exactly what you mean it's about how how much can the spirit how much can the spirit be tested like how what what in surviving such an agonizing ordeal does the spirit gain? 
right? And Or is the spirit just permanently traumatized and permanently devastated and will never dig itself out from that? That could also very much, very well be the case. But there's just something about going through something that is that gnarly. And, you know, I only spent a little bit of time in jail. I spent, I mean, overall, I haven't spent very much time in jail. I never had to, like, stay in jail. But I've been locked up enough times to know that there's something that every prisoner who has ever lived has. There's something that every prisoner has in common with every other prisoner who has ever lived. You, you can't go. You're stuck. You can't leave. That's the thing about prison. I've mentioned this before. You can't leave. And I got a taste of not being able to leave. I was not able to leave, and there were very mean, very bad people around me, right? And so it comes back to that example of like, well, you know, these Chicago cops, maybe one of them could have not liked me and taken me in the back and tortured me. And it's happened to people in Chicago. This guy got, you know, this police sergeant or chief or whatever he was, was, I believe, convicted for that type of behavior. Maybe that could have happened to me. And then I would have had a heck of a lot in common with the people I was referencing, right? So don't go to jail, I guess, is the point of the story. <laughs> One of the sub points of the sub story. I can't even remember where this story about jail. The, oh, yeah, burn, it all came from selling your soul. I sold my soul for drugs. And I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. I'm glad I experienced what I did. I would never in a million years want to experience again, which is why I work multiple recovery programs, as you should. Everybody should work recovery programs. There's there's so many of them available. I don't know how people don't have multiple recovery programs in their life. All my friends that work recovery programs are the happiest, most well-balanced, most sane people I've ever met with like solutions to problems and they're talking with other people about what's actually going on in their lives versus just like pretending. That's the the hilarious thing about where I'm from. Everybody's just like pretending. Nobody talks about what's actually going on. They're just kind of like pretending. And we're in yet we're in the I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get the point. And I am in the personal development field and I have multiple friends and colleagues and every conversation we have is like kind of serious. It's about what's actually going on. Like I call up my coach bros and I'm like, hey, dude, I like I could really use some support. You have a few minutes to support me in this challenge that I you know, that I'm facing in life. I think maybe I went out on too many dates and perhaps I shouldn't have, you know, answered that booty call. Like, do you have some support for me? And you know, my coach friend slash colleague will be like, well, I mean, what's the, what's the story you're making up about it? You know, what are you making that mean? Like, yeah, you know, you're a guy who said yes to a girl. So like, is that like a bad thing? Really? Like, no, I guess it isn't at all. Well, right. So like, you're all good. No, that's not to overstep your integrity and what you're committed to in life. I mean, is that what you're committed to? And I'm like, these are the types of conversations I have on a regular basis with people. And this is why I'm sane. Right, because I have the majority of the things in my life. The terminology we use is distinguished. I have the things in my life distinguished, um, and and that is why I am on the way to self actualization, somewhat actualized person. It is not easy to become actualized. I believe self actualization is at the top of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, once you got like all the food and shelter and money and you can afford things or you know you don't have to worry about money then you 
you move towards self-actualization when all your basic needs are met. And self-actualization is a pretty cool place to be. And guess what? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be a self-actualized human being. You don't have to be perfect, you know, to be a life coach. That's one of the, that's one of the funny things. I love when people, when I'm like, perhaps I get into an argument on Facebook. I called this guy on Facebook last week a punk-ass bitch because he didn't, he made fun of the news source that I recommended to my friend. My friend was recommending news sources unbiased and I recommended one and he was, he made some shitty, he actually attacked, he kind of attacked me. He sort of, he pointed his finger at me and basic, basically called me an idiot. And so I then called him a fucking punk ass bitch. I was like, you fucking punk ass bitch. It's like, say that shit to my face. And then I start messaging my friend and asking her where he lives. And then I was like, okay, time for a little ho'oponopono. Right, time to return to the state and pray and send forgiveness to this person and to myself ultimately. Um, but this is just part of being human. Like sometimes we lose our temper, sometimes we lose our, lose our cool, and it's hilarious when someone will come in and be like, "Aren't you supposed to be a life coach?" Like I'll maybe be arguing on social media, and somebody's like, "Oh, well, you're supposed to be a aren't you supposed to be a life coach?" That that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to be perfect at all. It does mean that I am working on myself, that I am practicing uh, spiritual progress, but it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. No, I'm, I'm a life coach and I'm totally not perfect. It's not my job to be perfect, nor is it my job to have everything figured out. Uh, what a coach does actually is supporting people, is supports people in figuring, is supports people in having them figure themselves out. Does that make sense? So a good coach will, will support you in coming to your own conclusions about what's going on often by asking questions and then reflecting what they notice. So I think I'm going to go ahead and cut it off there. Thanks for listening. It's been quite a while. I'm going to get back on the weekly Magic Pisces release train, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Magic Pisces podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you.